Welcome to Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevate. I'm Matt Cranny. I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad you could join us. In this episode, and in every episode, we talk offensive and defensive business strategies with some of the most successful and insightful small business leaders. So if you're looking for great conversation and new ways to grow and protect your company, you're in the right place. There's no such thing as a small business. Every business is monumental for the people who lead and depend on it. At M3 Elevate, we have hundreds of policies, but only one mindset. Fuel your growth. Chad McGeehee is a meditation teacher, scientific collaborator, and trusted coach, working at the intersection of elite performance and meditation. In addition, at the University of Wisconsin Athletic Department, Chad became the first ever director of meditation training in major college sports. Chad is an honorary affiliate of the Center for Healthy Minds at UW-Madison, a member of Under Armour's Internal Human Performance Council, and co-founder of Inner Edge Meditation. Chad, welcome to The Fast Break. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Really excited to talk with you today. So on The Fast Break, Chad, we love to learn from awesome small business owners who are doing the rewarding, terrifying, and critical work of growing their business and impacting their communities. So tell us all about your business, Inner Edge Meditation. Yeah. Uh, so, so really, Inner Edge Meditation grew out of my years of experience delivering meditation training in high-performance environments. I've been uh, doing it for years with athletes, with corporate groups, corporate leaders, uh, law enforcement, spent a lot of time with FBI SWAT teams. And, and frankly, people were, were benefiting. This wasn't a path that I intended to be on, but this is what ended up happening. Folks were benefiting, and I wanted to create ways for more people to benefit. So creating a business was a way to do that, to grow that impact uh, so that now we are able to do workshops, trainings, keynotes, consulting uh, to bring meditation to life. And really the way I think about it with meditation training, and when we talk about meditation training, all we're talking about is training the mind. And what we're doing is we're training the mind for performance and well-being. And these two things are both deeply important and deeply intertwined. Yet for many folks, they don't know how to do that. A lot of times we can talk about the ideas of the importance of training the mind, but the how sometimes can be lacking. So meditation is really the how. And so it's through these experiences in these high-performance environments uh, and folks benefiting that really wanted to continue to extend that out so that more and more uh, people could you know, be engaging in these practices. Uh, what a great uh, answer, uh, Chad. And, and we love it when we see small businesses that emerge to address critical needs. And when you think about uh, this moment in time that we live in uh, and the world that we find ourselves a part of, uh, I don't think there's a more critical need than the one that you are uh, fulfilling right now. I mean, uh, one of the ways that I think you know, about meditation training, right, is, is what we were just talking about. It's training the mind. And the amazing thing about it is our mind is always with us. It's with us when we wake up, when we're at work, when we're with family, when we're on vacation, uh, when, we're crace- when we're facing kind of critical issues as a country, as a world. So if we're not taking the time to train the mind, then we're just hoping it works out up there. And hope is not a strategy. 
so I really love meditation because once we start training the mind, then the impacts show up across all of these areas. You know, the uh, you know separating between performance and well-being uh, really isn't accurate, right? Like these are the, the mind is involved in in all of it, and they're kind of mutually enforcing each other. So, Chad, how did you uh, take that uh, approach and and end up becoming the first ever? <laughs> director of meditation training in major college sports in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, Matt, sometimes it still doesn't feel real because uh, it's so it was so unplanned. So, you know, I, I started meditating over 20 years ago and I never thought I would teach this to anybody. I just thought it would be a support for me as Chad, as a guy living his life. Uh, and my first career was as a public school teacher. And I felt like I was sitting on a gold mine, that I had these practices, these concepts that could benefit the students I was with, colleagues I was with. So I started to share with them and they started to benefit. So then I got hooked on like, well, what does skillful meditation training and teaching look like in these environments? So I started uh, continuing to explore that idea and had an opportunity to join a group on campus at the University of Wisconsin called the Center for Healthy Minds, which is one of the world leading research institution on meditation and other ways of, of training the mind. So I was based there for six years, collaborating with neuroscientists to understand these questions of what are the qualities of a healthy mind and how do we train for them? So it was there that I was able to work with law enforcement groups. We published a lot of research on the impacts, uh, corporate groups, healthcare groups, and athletes. So I was a college athlete myself. Uh, I always saw how this stuff could show up in sport environments. Uh, but I also have an attitude of don't teach meditation until you're asked to teach. Uh, so an opportunity came along to work with a group at Kent State University in Ohio, of all places. Uh, so I just explored, is it possible to do rigorous meditation training in high-performance sport environments? And when I started to do that, I did not know the answer to that question. I did not know if it was possible. And they started to benefit. And then did that for a few years, then an opportunity to work with a, a football player who played at the University of Wisconsin, uh, Chris Borland, uh, All-American here, and then played in the NFL, retired from the NFL, and then wanted to do things to benefit guys who had played the game. So long story short, we, we created an eight-week mindfulness training for a group of 17 retired NFL players. It had never been done before. And again, we didn't know what would happen. Would these guys say this is a bunch of hippy-dippy, woo-woo, out-there stuff? You can talk to me about mindfulness I played, you know, in the league for a decade. And that's not what they found. They found it to be rigorous. It was based in science. And of course, these athletes are the best in the world at training. But typically, they're training their bodies. And meditation training, of course, is just training the mind. So once they understood that concept, then they were ready to roll. They were ready to investigate, explore. They started to experience the benefits themselves. And some of these guys were on staff at the University of Wisconsin in various roles, uh, including one of them at the time was the head strength coach for football. So we said, hey, I think our current guys would benefit from this. You want to come in and do a little work with the team? Uh, another person who was in that training um, is now the athletic director, Chris McIntosh. And so we started to explore with a few teams. Uh, they started to benefit. Uh, and then after a couple of years in a consulting role, they created this first of its kind position of director of meditation training. Can you maybe give us a couple of examples of where you've been able to uh, see that sort of show up in meaningful ways for, uh, for your kids? It, it, so many examples have, have, have happened over the years. One of the first, when I knew there was a, a there there, so to speak, uh, was during winter conditioning with the football team. 
And we had finished a practice, uh, a guided meditation practice in, in the weight room. And we were kind of checking in. What did you notice? What was that like? How does this apply to your life? And one of the players at the time, Jonathan Taylor, who's now in the NFL, uh, shared that for him, the way he felt during and after the practice was a quality of relaxed and alert that is exactly the same quality of relaxed and alert that he feels when he's at his best pre-snap. He knows his assignment. He knows what he needs to do. He's not overthinking it and is able to be spontaneous and go with what the opportunity, you know, is there. And so that moment was one where I knew, okay, these athletes know what these experiences are. Uh, Maybe they refer to it as being in the zone or being in flow. And it's great when it's there. It's a bummer when it's not, but almost none of them know how to train to experience it more often. So that's what we're doing is training to experience it more often. So, so cool. So, Chad, I'm going to sort of uh, switch a little bit of gears here on you. So at M3 Elevate, we're built on the principle that we need to help our clients play both sort of offense and growth, as well as sort of defense and, and protection with their businesses. And so in learning more about you and Inner Edge, can you describe how mindfulness can be a tool that can help us as individuals play both offense and defense uh, for us in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So, um, so to I'm going to start at like 40,000 feet and then we'll kind of come down. So the way I think about meditation training now is really strength and conditioning for the mind. So every weight room everywhere has some version of bigger, faster, and stronger. And that's what these athletes are interested in training for. What we're doing is we're training the mind to be more focused, more resilient, and a better teammate. So I think in a business context, if someone wants to be more skillful at playing offense and playing defense, the skills of greater focus, of greater resilience, and of being able to connect more skillfully with oneself and others are fundamental to success. Yet we tend to overlook them often. We talk about the importance of them, yet we don't set aside time to train for them. So we end up in what we refer to as this mental training paradox, where we know it's important, yet we don't know how to train for it. So that's where we kind of focus the work on training for it. And when we do that, we start to see results, uh, such as we start to see the world more clearly. We're not seeing the world only through the interpretation of our own thoughts and emotions. We develop the cognitive flexibility to see thoughts as they're happening, understand emotions as they're happening, see the external world more clearly. But in order to do that, we have to develop certain skills. So the first skill that we develop is the skill of mindfulness. And mindfulness, one of the ways that I think about it comes from George Mumford, uh, who's a teacher who worked with Phil Jackson and, and his various teams. And he talks about the eye of the hurricane. And it's that sense of stability, that balance, that okayness, regardless of the swirling conditions that are happening around. And most of us have experienced that, but don't know how to train to experience it more often. So we can train to experience that. So that when we do that, we can bring that sense of stability into the unbelievably intense, complex environments that we find ourselves in. Uh, and there's there's a lot that we can explore along those ways, but I think there's one that's really central to kind of the foundation of meditation training. And that's for anybody who's interested in being at their best, any high performer in sport, business, whatever it may be. There's four areas that they have to have skills to work with, and that's behaviors, emotions, senses, and thoughts. We tend to overfocus on behaviors, in my opinion. It's the easiest to see, right? It's the easiest to coach, whether in business or in sport environments. 
But what about thoughts, emotions, what's happening internally with our body? That drives so much of skillful or unskillful behavior. So when we start to train those things, when we kind of get under the hood, then we have the skills to pair with the technical expertise that folks have. I'm not an elite basketball player. I'm not an elite volleyball player. I'm not the CEO of a corporation. So it's kind of bringing those two worlds together where folks' abilities, talent, and expertise combined with the ability to train the mind and work with their internal world, when those two come together, that's when we start to catalyze and really see the impacts in people's lives. I, I love that, Chad. And, and I want to kind of go even just a little bit deeper because I think sure. for, for our audience, uh, of you know, predominantly sort of small and growing business owners, uh, there's been so much research that's been done that entrepreneurs and small business owners are more likely than others to actually suffer challenges with their mental health. And, and I think you just have such a unique perspective as both the small business owner yourself and also someone who works uh, on sort of the mental health space every day. So, so why do you, first question as part of this, and because I think we'll drill in, First question is, why do you think it is? Why do you think our small and growing business owners face more of those challenges? So I think this comes from this comes out of the military. And the military talks about we live in a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous environment, right? VUCA environments. And so that's just the way the world is. That's the baseline, right? And so when we put people in these VUCA environments, we should expect them to suffer. We should expect it to be hard. We should expect deterioration, right? This is the, the norm that we would expect. So the question then becomes, how do we interrupt that process, right? Like, how do we kind of get ahead of that? Um, and mindfulness and meditation can be really profound ways to do that. Um, I want to share just a little bit of research that's starting to come out of the work to uh, kind of uh, amplify this point. So this research um, is, is going just full clarification. It's still uh, unpublished going through the peer review process, but we expect the data to stand up. They're very robust. So what we did uh, in working with the kinesiology department here at UW is looked at two groups. And the groups were teams that had been participating in the mindfulness and meditation training and teams that have not been regularly participating in the training. Time point one was fall of 2019. So this is pre-pandemic, normal-ish times. Uh, and then time point two was summer, fall of 2020. So really hard times uh, for everybody. And we were able to look at measures of mental health and mental performance. And what we saw was at time point one, pre-pandemic, both groups were pretty much the same. And then at time point two, the teams that had not been participating, their mental health and performance came way down. And the teams that had been training, their mental health and mental performance stayed pretty much the same. So this, to me, is a tremendous finding, right? It says that these practices can actually protect us from kind of the slings and arrows of life, right? Protect us from the challenges that come from living in a, in a VUCA environment. And then if we think about that at a different time scale, we think about kind of like in a day, how many things come at a small business owner and do they have that steadiness to be able to sustain themselves in the middle of it? We all value it. We all really want it, but a lot of us aren't training to do it. So on, a, on the smallest of time scales, um, you know, not to be too hyper-local here, but, you know, thinking about like the University of Wisconsin-Madison volleyball team, fresh off first national championship in program history. This is a team that's engaged in this training for many years now. Uh, and 
they had the final four this year. They're in the championship match. And they, they thought they had won. They thought, you know, championship point was there. There was a call of kind of tipped fingers, which bad call. It wasn't a tipped finger. But leaving that aside, they said it was tipped. So they had celebrated on the floor. You know, they had they reviewed the call, took, you know, a couple of minutes. And then the players had to come back out on the floor to play for a second championship point. And they talked about how they used the skills and practices that we've been training for years in that moment to reset themselves to be able to go do what they have the innate and trained capacities to do. It's that steadiness, that balance. In meditation, we call it equanimity, right? It's just that okayness to be able to meet whatever's happening in the moment with with a deep sense of innate confidence that's always there. It just gets covered up and meditation wakes it back up and stabilizes it for us. And I feel like it's sort of, it's that idea of um, we can't always control the environment that we're in, um, Mm. but we can control our preparation uh, and our skill set when we arrive in those environments. Without a doubt. I mean, the way I think about it is, you know, we don't meditate to become great meditators. We meditate to have great lives. Uh, but But we have to set the time aside to be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want one more follow up question on, on this sure. um, is let's be practical for a second. So yep. um, what if, if you're uh, you know, a small business owner and, and you're thinking, hey, uh, Chad, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think, you know, mindfulness it is something that would help me prepare better for the that VUCA environment that I find myself in every day. What are some of the um, maybe daily, small, great places to jump in? You know, because nobody's going to go from, uh, you know, zero to 100 overnight. But what are some really practical ways that we can uh, get started? It's a really good question. So, I mean, the way I think about the work overall is, is you know, those zero entry pools where you can kind of like walk into them, yeah. you know, ankle deep, and then it gets a little bit deeper. That's the way meditation training works. We just kind of start ankle deep, you know, and it's refreshing and it feels good. And then we can slowly over time continue to take it deeper. So one of the practices that really resonates across groups from CEOs to SWAT guys to elite athletes is called the four, five, six breath. And it's really simple. And the way it works is you breathe in for four, you hold for five, and you blow out for six. And that's it. Repeat as needed. You can kind of do it once, do it twice. So scientifically, part of what's happening here is we're shifting from a sympathetic nervous system, kind of the fight or flight, to the parasympathetic, right? That like concentrate and stable. Like we're shifting our neurobiology with a practice like this. But also we can do this in really simple moments, right? Like this is, this is a practice some of the volleyball players did on the floor. Corporate leaders are doing this kind of transitioning between meetings. Uh, we can do this, you know, before, you know, a high intensity moment, or we can do it on the other end of things, kind of winding down from a busy day. But just this is a really simple practice to begin to concentrate the mind bring awareness back into the body and be present for the moment that's in front of us. You know, Lou Holtz has this great line of what's important now, win, right? Uh, But if we're not present, if we're lost in the future, if we're lost in the past, well, then we have zero chance of being able to discern what's important now. First, we got to get present. It kind of skips over that step. So a, a practice like the four, five, six gets us present so that we can discern more wisely what is that most important thing that we should be doing next.
Chad, thank you so much for, for what you're sharing. This is so helpful. And I want to kind of my last question before we turn uh, the corner into to sort of the home stretch here. How can, if, if I am a leader of a small business listening to this podcast and, and, and I'm inspired by your message, Chad, I, I'm starting small and I'm going into that zero entry pool, what are maybe some small and practical steps I can take to help the people that are looking to me? You know, so my, my employees, my, my clients, my suppliers, my, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is with these practices, the intervention is the leader's nervous system. So that leader has to take the time to explore these practices for him or herself, right? Like if they show up frantic, chaotic, well, then that's what's going to be transmitted throughout the organization. And it's not the sort of like put on a mask, put on a facade and pretend that one has okay in the midst of these situations. It's that deeper level of there is that sense of balance, that sense of okayness. You know, in sport, you know, in business, we, you know, celebrate poise at this unbelievable level, right? Uh, and poise is just a sense of calm and relaxed in a high intensity situation. So we have to train for that calm and relaxed in other situations. We start in lower intensity situations, then we do it in moderately intense situations so that when the big one comes, we're ready for it in those moments. So I cannot overstate, and there's good research to support this, that the leader taking time for him or herself to train the mind in these ways, that alone has tremendous benefits. And then the second part that really comes up for me, and I've been a part of you know, different teams and organizations uh, where it kind of gets talked about, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself, you know, take the time. Uh, but it's not, one, it's not modeled. And two, there's no time given, right? Uh, you know, you sit in whatever meeting and you talk about, well, these are the 15 things we need to do. All right, everybody, make sure you take care of yourself too. It, it, it comes across as empty, right? And it's not authentic. So it has to be real. We have to dedicate time. So maybe that is as simple as uh, at the start of a meeting, taking one minute to just do a quick mindfulness practice. Just that, right? Just kind of start off the meeting that way, right? Or, you know, dedicating time in other ways. But I think giving, you know, real time uh, for oneself and to support others uh, is deeply meaningful. And I've seen that across environments, you know, start working with, you know, one person in an executive coaching situation, they experience it, and then they start to slowly, you know, bring this sort of training into their, into their teams. I, I think just a, a personal sort of reflection on that, Chad, I, we uh, here at M3, um, uh, we uh, have tried in some of our meetings to, we sort of called it sort of reset breaths um, mm -hmm. at the start of a meeting. And, and when I was doing that, part of the hesitation, I think, in it is, oh, gosh, what will my team think? Is this, you know, are they not going to buy in? Is there going to kind of be eyebrows raised? Uh, and it was uh, just as an encouragement to everybody listening to sort of push through that. Um, because the the reception from people doing that uh, was incredible. Uh, it's, you know, a minute uh, or more. Uh, but for us, it was just a quick minute. And uh, people's ability to be present to set the right tone and intention for the meeting versus, hey, I'm just coming from another meeting, I'm rushing, I'm thinking about 10 other things, what do you wanna talk about? Yep. That's not how we wanna show up as our best selves. And I think pushing through that little bit of uh, sort of you know, awkwardness or what will people think is in our experience has always been worth it. And I'm sure you would see and have seen the same thing. 
absolutely. I mean, people can get a little concerned, especially, you know, this stuff does come, you know, with that, what, you know, mindfulness, this is weird. Are we going to light some candles? Like what is happening here? Right. You know, like, uh, but we got to, yeah, like you say, like kind of push through that. There's, you know, a good example that comes out of the work with the FBI SWAT teams. And, uh, you know, these are, you know, high performers, high cognitive performers, high physical performers. And, and one of the team leaders, after they started to integrate some of these practices, told me that, you know, for them as a SWAT team, they go into high intensity, uh, no fail, lethal environments and are expected to bat a thousand. And so when they finish, he doesn't want to hear from his boss, good job. What he wants to hear is thank you for being consistent. Because being consistent is hard, right? Being consistent is what yields results over the long run. And so he thinks as they've started to integrate this training, they do all this tactical training and physical training, but also this sort of mental training to allow it to show up. That's part of the consistency that it takes for them to perform at high levels. And I don't know anybody who can, you know, think something is hippy dippy woo woo if, you know, linebackers at Wisconsin and SWAT guys are doing it. We can get past that part pretty quickly. Exactly. Hopefully none of our listeners are facing lethal situations uh, or being chased (laughs) down by a 260 pound linebacker. So uh, if if they can do it there, we can do it in our in our spaces. Chad, um, that's sort of the end of uh, our bigger questions. Uh, As always, uh, on the fast break, we save uh, uh, sometimes the best for last. And that is our fastest break set of questions. So the idea here is this is a lightning round. I'm going to sort of pepper you with uh, uh, seven to eight questions here and just really curious about your sort of off the top uh, quick response to these questions. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, let's go. Favorite book that you've read in the last 12 months? Uh, I reread Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, an all-time favorite. Uh, Complete this sentence. Leadership is... Relentless curiosity. The most impactful coaching advice you've ever received. You'll be extremely successful if you can handle the ambiguity in your life. And your favorite podcast that you would recommend to our audience. Working it out by the comedian Mike Birbiglia. Your can't live without it app on your phone. Insight Timer. It's like an old friend. It's a meditation app. Last thing you did that truly scared you? Leaving a dream job at the Center for Healthy Minds to chase down a dream opportunity with Inner Edge Meditation and at the Wisconsin Athletic Department. And lastly, if you had to give a TED Talk, uh, what would be the title? This comes from... uh, 19th century Spanish poet Antonio Machado. I'm contractually obligated to be a little woo-woo as a meditation <laughs> teacher. Hey, so. I love it. <laughs> so in uh, in Spanish, it's caminante no hay camino. Es en el caminar que se hace el camino. In English, it's pathmaker. There is no path. The path is made by walking. Chad, before, uh, we're going to ask you to help us finish with a really sort of practical uh, exercise uh, to finish. Tell our audience, where can they find you? Where can they engage with you? Uh, tell, us, tell us about where we can find you. Sure. Uh, so 
Anyone can connect at inneredgemeditation.com. You can contact me directly at chad at inneredgemeditation.com on all the social channels. Uh, so feel free to connect in whatever way feels you know most helpful. Chad, on the fast break, we're about practical takeaways. So as we get ready to wrap up today, I'd love it if you would be willing to lead our audience in a practical and simple uh, mindfulness practice that our listeners would be able to repeat in their daily lives as we finish. Absolutely. So one that one that I love and been exploring in myself and with all the folks that I work with uh, is called HIT. It's an acronym, H-I-T. So the H is here. So do something to get here. Feel your feet on the floor. Feel the breath coming in, breath going out. Feel the sounds that are arriving to your ears. Just get here. Then the I is intention. What's going to serve you best in your intention moving forward? For whatever's coming for you, is it curiosity? Is it joy? Is it tenacity? Is it attacking? What is the intention that's going to serve you and what's coming next? And then the T is trust. Just let it happen. Go. Trust yourself. Let it unfold. Right. Reset as needed. Get here. Reset your intention. Trust. Dad, what a powerful way to finish. Thank you so much for being willing to be with us today and for sharing your wisdom and insights with our audience. We truly appreciate it. Thank you for being on the Fast Break. Thank you, Matt. This was great. This has been Fast Break presented by M3 Elevate, where we talk with high-impact business leaders and share strategies that you can use to grow and protect your business. And remember, don't settle for an insurance and benefits agent who only plays defense. You need an advisor, a partner, a friend who helps you play offense too. That's us. Like what you heard? Well, don't forget to subscribe. You'll find bonus content and more episodes at m3ins.com slash m3elevate and anywhere where you find your podcasts. And if you're a business owner or leader with insights to share, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. We might even love to have you on the show. This is Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevate. I'm Matt Cranny, and we'll see you next time.